This is the Create Love, Create Freedom podcast. My name is Allison Fisher, and on today's episode, we are going to be discussing defense mechanisms. So the more that I dive into myself, um, you know, kind of my own psyche, um, the more I look at how to create healthy connections with other people, um, particularly in intimate relationships, my defense mechanisms keep coming up. And I want to take some time today to explore what defense mechanisms are, um, why we use them, um, and then kind of work through some of my own thoughts on how I have begun to kind of break some of these down. So certainly, um, you know, childhood trauma um, can cause us to, you know, operate from a certain space, whether that is um, from a place of, um, you know, kind of building some walls because our initial caregivers or parents were not very safe for us to be around could have been physically safe, um, could be emotionally safe. Um, I know for myself, that was kind of one of the the starting points for me. Um, I have a mother who has borderline personality disorder. And so, you know, my emotions were kind of all over the place. And so it it creates some defense mechanisms. This also led to a bit of um, anxious attachment for me. And what I also am certainly coming to understand is that defense mechanisms are just also part of human nature, right? They're a need for us to really protect ourselves emotionally, psychologically. Um, And so even people who certainly have secure attachment styles, they can also show um, defense mechanisms. Uh, They can come up for them in their own lives, in their own relationships. And so, you know, I have personally been been working through some of this and wanted to um, really discuss, you know, how we react to stress and trauma. Um, a lot of times we react in ways that um, often don't make sense, right? When we are put in a place where we're, you know, very stressed or... Um, you know, we can lash out um, to those people that we love. We can seek to, um, you know, kind of dull maybe some of our senses by uh, drinking alcohol, doing drugs, doing some other kinds of things. Um, but generally, a defense mechanism is some sort of reaction to stress, right? It could be a psychological kind of stress. Um, it could be something emotional, you know, with our partner, um, but it could also be something that, you know, um, happens uh, due to the stressful nature of our lives and our work. And um, this is actually one of the first ways that I have personally used um, to kind of lower my need to move towards defense mechanisms has really been um, by taking a deep look at my life, um, my external circumstances, and saying, what things can I remove from my stress bucket? Um, What things, certainly there's going to be stress, and there's going to be things that are going to be there. Uh, But for me personally, I really looked at my life a few years ago and said, what am I doing that I don't actually want to be doing? What am I doing that I really want to say no to? Um, what are the kinds of things that make my stress bucket kind of overflow, right? And it kind of keeps me in this space of um, much more heightened nervous system, right? Um, Where I'm not really um, operating from that kind of healthy space uh, with my nervous system, but instead um, I'm really kind of being triggered and whatnot by a lot of the stress in my life. So I personally took a look at that and, um, you know, began to change my environment, um, began to say no to things that I really didn't want to do, 
Um, I began to get rid of things that really were no longer serving me in my life. And this really helped me kind of stay in that ventral space. I like to call it the green space, you know, where ease and safety and contentment can really be, um, where I could create a lot more flow and play and passion um, and a lot more bliss, intimacy and ecstasy versus the sympathetic nervous system where I was, you know, uh, much more stressed, um, had kind of workaholic tendencies um, and a lot of anxiety over not getting enough rest, rest uh, being very different from being lazy, right? Um, and then it kind of moved me from this, this kind of fawn um, space, right? We've got um, flight, um, freeze, we've got fawn responses. And the fawn responses were also very closely connected to perfectionism and very closely connected to over caring for my partner um, at the time, you know, really trying to make sure that all of his needs were taken care of and realizing that I was an in very, that I was in a very imbalanced relationship where none of my needs were getting taken care of. And this also really keeps me away from that freeze, um, that paralysis, that self-criticism kind of response, and also the shutdown, the burnout, and the complete depletion. And so these have really been ways that I have worked to lower my need to rely on defense mechanisms. Um, defense mechanisms are often... Uh, reactions that happen without thought, right? They're our body's way of protecting us from harm, whether that's emotional, mental, and even physical harm. And they help us move past like really uncomfortable feelings and get through difficult situations. And what I find and what I have found in the past is that my defense mechanisms did a really good job of exactly that of keeping me f feeling very safe. Um, but what happened was I really figured out that they were actually very unhealthy in the long run. Um, they really disrupted my life. They really disrupted my intimate um, partnerships um, with, you know, it, it really caused a barrier between moving from um, kind of an anxious attachment into a more secure attachment, but it also kept my partners at a distance um, emotionally, psychologically. And then it always left me scrambling to kind of fix things, right? And so I really found that it was very useful and helpful to take a much deeper look at my defense mechanisms and say, okay, you know, what are they? When do they come up? So for me personally, I kept a little um, journal. It could also be, you know, just the, the notes on your phone, whatnot. Um, but every time that I reacted in some sort of way that I was like, mm, I really don't like that. I don't like how I'm showing up right now. Um, I would write it down or make a note of it and say, mm, gosh, you know, um, I dealt with this really intense negative emotion by suppressing my emotions and hiding them from my partner. Um, I would sometimes excessively rationalize my behavior and attitudes. And then I would also sometimes project blame, um, you know, on others for my mistakes. So one of the biggest things that I did as well with that journal um, or taking notes on my phone was really taking full responsibility, right? I have found that although it's difficult to take responsibility for things in life, um, it is probably the number one key that has really helped me 
make any sort of positive change in my life. That taking extreme ownership of my, my thoughts, my feelings, my behaviors, my choices, my habits. Um, but also changing my internal dialogue. Um, that is what I said about myself. So giving our defense mechanisms free reign can really be very harmful to our well-being. Um, and again, like I was talking about just a few minutes ago, it can really lead to a lot of problems within, um, you know, our deepest relationships. It can also uh, even damage our social life or our professional life. Um, but for me, most of those problems popped up in intimacy. I, I didn't have the kinds of intimate relationships with men or a man, right? Um, I tend to be a one man kind of woman. And I, I really, the relationships would struggle. And I would say, mm, okay, what's going on here? And part of it, of course, was me. Now, I can't take responsibility for my partner. Um, but I can take responsibility for me. And so this was an area where I personally, um, you know, really had to, to step up. Um, what I found is that, you know, when I didn't take responsibility, I was really operating from that wounded feminine, uh, where I really played the victim. Sometimes it was even just in my own mind, but it was self-pity. It was romanticizing my life, wishing that a man would come and save me, give me the life that I always wanted, um, taking myself way too seriously, never surrendering to, to life, to the process. Um, sometimes really kind of killing time without really truly living. Uh, my purpose was very vague in life. And, you know, again, I, I really kind of feared taking responsibility for my own life. I feared that it would change the relationship that I had with my parents, um, that the relationship that I had with society, you know, society teaches women to um, really be the maiden, right? The dependent young girl, the dependent daughter. Um, and so I really had to figure out how to stay how to remain soft in my femininity, yet also take full responsibility for my life. Um, and, you know, healing wounds is really part of the journey that the awakened feminine goes on. When you've moved past the, the place where you want to stay wounded, um, you really move into that place where you can become very aware and I think, as we discuss defense mechanisms, it's becoming very aware of them. That's why I wrote them down. Um, when I decided, okay, I need to become aware of this. I need to observe my own self in the moments that I am behaving in a way, trying to protect myself in a way that isn't serving me anymore. I see that it isn't serving me. Okay, so now I've got to figure out what the defense mechanisms are. And here in a few minutes, we are going to go through um, some different defense mechanisms that we can use. And what I really found was that now, you know, when entering new relationships, I'm still going to feel fear. And I'm still going to feel triggered sometimes. But I I can't be closed off. I can't shut, like kind of close down my femininity um, and have the deep intimate relationship that I want. So I knew that I, I had to work on it. I had to tackle the defense mechanisms. Um, and again, you know, I think that we're always going to feel apprehension as women over opening as we either enter into a new relationship or we try to change the dynamic of an old relationship. Because, you know, although we're on a self uh, healing journey, you know, 
we've been hurt from other men in the past. Um, if you're a man listening to this other women in the past, right? Um, but in order to really open, um, soften into the relationship, um, be willing to learn from another person. We really have to learn about the things that, you know, the, the mechanisms that we use to defend and protect ourselves, to keep ourselves safe. And I think it's really important that we look for ways uh, we're not responsible for doing someone else's work, for doing the work for our partner, but we are very much there to, you know, help them open, um, help them provide them with a space where they can also heal. But that first means that we have to provide a space for ourselves. And like I said before, part of that for me was really taking a look at what the defense mechanisms were, the things that were holding me back, and then also really changing my environment. I got rid of some relationships and some people that I could tell were only triggering. There wasn't that healing space that they would hold. And there wasn't that place where I could really kind of open and soften. And, you know, it for me in the future, as I look at kind of future relationships that I get into, it's also really being with someone who also doesn't allow me to hide. Defense mechanisms are a way to hide in the relationship. But what they do is eventually they kill it. Um, they create a lot of turmoil and, and issues and problems unless they are addressed. Now, that doesn't mean that sometimes they're not still going to come up. But even in a really, you know, even in a really healthy partnership, but when we're in that really healthy partnership, if someone else says, hey, you're hiding, you're using that defense mechanism, I see it. You don't get to hide from me. And you can say the same to them. And they can also say, ah, gosh, you're right. Okay. Why am I trying to protect myself? Well, that thing you said or that thing you did, it makes me feel this way from something in my past. Um, and I just had that moment of needing to protect myself. Instead, you see it, I see it. Okay, hold on. I'm going to open. I'm going to soften. I'm going to come close to you. Um, in my case, it's to the masculine. Um, but I also have to feel safe, right? I have to feel safe by really being with a man who um, is more than just awakened, right? Um, but he is definitely a man who um, is aware of his own, uh, you know, kind of trauma and wounds and shortcomings and whatnot. But he's also a man who um, is focused on his inner work, is focused on, you know, who has very clear direction in his life, who's very decisive, who's very certain about himself. Um, that's a man that offers the feminine a lot of safety. We don't feel the need to shut down as much. Um, so it's very much our responsibility to find those kinds of partners. So there are five common defense mechanisms, and those are the ones that I'd like to discuss today. Um, be aware that there are dozens of defense mechanisms that people really use to distance them th themselves from their unwanted feelings. Um, but there are five that are most common. And in the future, we may go through um, more than just these five, but I think having a starting point is a really good place. And I also think it's important not to inundate ourselves with um, so much that we're like, okay, wait, was it this one? Was it that one? Instead, you know, kind of having some 
very particular defense mechanisms to look at and say, gosh, do any of these show up for me in my life? Um, The first one is rationalization. So you've probably rationalized your way through a situation at least once or twice in your life. I certainly know that I have. Uh, you, this is where you really kind of convince yourself and others that you're happy with the choice that you've made. Although you know somewhere really deep down that that's not in alignment with your life. And it's not the case and you're not happy. Um, you know, or in a moment of frustration, you might have snapped at another person and immediately regretted it yet still tried to explain or make an excuse for your behavior. So by definition, rationalization involves using seemingly logical and rational reasons to justify our very unacceptable or controversial behavior and feelings. And so it is, of course, um, very common to do so. And I think most people are very unaware of how often they do it. Um, If you feel that this is something that, you know, you may do fairly often or enough that you want to work on it or fix it, um, I think the the first thing to do is realize that, you know, um, do a little what I like to call an after action review. You know, that conversation I had with that person, um, I'm feeling a little uneasy about it and I'm feeling a little, I'm feeling a little uneasy about my reaction to that person. Was I out of line? So the first thing to do is to not make an excuse, to not justify or rationalize it, and instead kind of try to gain a little perspective, kind of have that 60,000 foot view, um, detach yourself from the situation or from your feelings and say, just for a minute, and say, was I in the wrong? Am I trying to justify my actions, even though my gut is telling me, my intuition is telling me that I acted inappropriately? The first part of changing our defense mechanisms is the awareness. It's being aware of the fact that we are doing it from time to time. And again, as I discussed earlier, the more I took responsibility for myself for the outcome of my life, for my own attitude, actions, behaviors. The less I have excuses for what I do. And the quicker that you are able to acknowledge that and say, yeah, yeah, I was rationalizing that because I was trying to protect myself. I was trying to protect how I felt about something, um, because it triggered me in some sort of way. Well, then not only can you think through that scenario, that problem, and then say, okay, I realize that this has happened. Next time, I'm going to try to do a little bit better. But also in the process, fix it with that other person if someone else was involved. Hey, I'm sorry. I know that I snapped at you. Um, that was me really just trying to protect myself. I apologize. Another defense mechanism is projection. I think that it can be very difficult to deal with a lot of our, our thoughts and our feelings that we really see as unacceptable. We know that they're there. Maybe not all of them. Maybe we're not conscious of everything, but we're conscious of some of it. And you may experience from time to time an unwanted emotion or have a trait that you really just don't like about yourself. And a lot of times you may not know what to do with them. So as a defense mechanism, Projection aims to displace these feelings and really kind of attribute them to another person, to somebody else. Um, And again, I think that this is a really great opportunity for some self-reflection. 
any time that I have an unwanted feeling um, or feelings that I even just feel like suppressing, pushing down, right? I may not be able to deal with that feeling in the moment. Um, actually, I had a friend give me a call yesterday and she said, I'm just having a really bad day. Um, and she said, I just, do you ever have those moments where you feel like everything's kind of falling apart in your day for whatever reason, you're not able to deal with it as much. Uh, A lot of times when we have these unwanted, like really deeply unwanted feelings, like I don't want to cry right now. That's a big one for me. Um, it's usually because there's been so much stress that's kind of layered on top of itself. It's not just the one thing, right? But it's the multiple layers of stressful things. This thing fell apart. That project didn't happen. Um, financial stress. Um, the car needs new tires. You know, whatever it is, like it's all layered on top of one another. I've got 16 things to do. My house is a mess. You know, like, that when it piles up, a lot of times I feel personally like pushing down a lot of my emotions. And one of the things that I have realized is that that was really because of the kind of environment that I grew up in as a kid. My mother has borderline personality disorder. And what that really means is that you never wanted to rock the boat with her you walked around on eggshells. You never knew when she was going to explode in anger or burst out into tears. And it really could vacillate. It really could uh, be either or. And so for me, the unwanted feelings were feelings that I really just tried to repress. Well, then they moved into my shadow self, right? And then they just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And so it wasn't until I started dealing with them Now, for me personally, I don't push down my feelings. Um, Sometimes it's also kind of based upon where I am in my menstrual cycle, but I'll usually have a day or two once a month where I'm just like, well, I'm, I'm a little teary today. Like, I just feel like crying over this. Well, in the past, I would suppress those feelings. No, we don't cry. We're a warrior. Well, I can still be a warrior and cry. Now, am I going to do it just anywhere in front of a bunch of people? No, not personally. Um, But am I going to give myself that space to let some tears fall? Yes. Well, by doing that, by releasing those emotions, I don't project them onto other people. So what I have found is that when when I begin projecting, well, you're just acting this way when that's exactly how I'm acting, it's usually because of something I've repressed. So by getting in closer touch with my feelings, including my anger, there are also times um, in my cycle, uh, usually it is the um, luteal phase, right? Uh, I like to call it the wild woman phase, the burn everything down if I need to. I tend to have a little bit more anger during that week or two um, where I'm just like, oh, hell no, you did not just do that, you know, or whatever, like there's all this kind of anger. And instead of just like, you know, verbally lashing out at people or, um, you know, whatnot, when when I think of a forest fire, right, and and we think of um, certainly out um, out West, you know, California, where these millions of acres burn. Partly it's due to poor forest management, but partly it's also due to the fact that it hasn't burned in the last 20 years. So there's 20 years of undergrowth. And what I try to do, and this is something Jordan Peterson talks about, is that he, he likes to light the fire himself. So when he sees that something is out of alignment, when he sees that he's putting up walls in his intimate relationships, when he sees that there are things in his life that he needs to burn down, he'll set the small fire, right? Because you want to do it voluntarily. 
involuntarily, it means that everything burns and there may or may not be any new growth left. But when you do allow for a burning, for a clearing out, for dealing with your anger, then what it does is it, it allows this space of new fertile soil. Um, again, maybe some new growth still there that can then flourish. So again, it's taking those repressed parts of ourselves from our kind of deep in our psyche and in our shadow self and bringing them into the light. I read a book by uh, Robert Johnson, and he talked about turning things into inner gold, right? And that's part of the individuation process and the part of the self-actuation, actualization, excuse me, process. And one of the things that we do, if we are not doing that, if we're not turning things into inner gold, is we're trying to project it on other people. We're trying to dump it on somebody else. This is somebody else's fault. No, it's not. Turn the mirror back on you. Reflect the light back on you. So I think that it's really important to look at the fact that when we project, we want to displace the feelings, the unwanted emotions on other people. But instead, we have to take responsibility for those. Um, We have to realize when we're doing it. The beautiful thing is the more we realize uh, that we're doing it, the less that it happens. Um, And the more that we really get to know ourselves. The third um, defense mechanism, um, kind of of the top five that really comes up is reaction formation. So when you experience anxiety-induced impulses and emotions, you may you know, kind of often subconsciously rely on reaction formation and exaggerate the unwanted feelings by going in the opposite direction. Hmm. So I I think one of the biggest things uh, that comes to mind when I think about this is think about like the boy in class, like the teenage boy, maybe in middle school or high school, um, who's attracted to a girl in his class. Um, And he's really unsure what to do. Uh, Maybe he doesn't have the confidence to go and talk to her, to ask her out, um, to do whatever. And so he has these intense emotions, but he doesn't know what to do with them. So instead, he embarrasses her in front of other classmates. Um, I see this very often in um, times with finances, right? When people are stressed out about their finances or they're stressed out about something that's going on in their life, so they go and they overspend. You're, You're only making the problem worse, right? And so I think it's really important to, again, be aware of this, right? Um reaction formation really helps us avoid anxiety inducing painful or simply unwanted emotions and impulses. It means that we replace these negative or maladaptive impulses with their opposite, which is often expressed in some sort of very exaggerated manner. Does the teenage kid really want to hurt the girl? No, No, in fact, he really wants the opposite, but he doesn't know how to deal with his emotions. So instead, he hurts her, meaning it's going to be often much harder for him to get together with her in the future. And he certainly hasn't figured out how to, um, you know, how to you know, deal with those emotions. He's only suppressing them, pushing them down. Um, I think sometimes other we can feel it in other ways, such as really being over-friendly to somebody we don't like. I think this happens often in the office, right? At work. I don't like this person at all, but guess what? They're my boss. So I'm going to be overly nice to them. Um, 
I think sometimes it's expressing contempt for someone to avoid acknowledging sometimes a feeling of affection or love. I see this sometimes in uh, men who are in their very wounded um, or their very distorted masculine, right? Trying to control or put down the feminine um, because they they don't know how to deal with those emotions, those expressions of love. I think something similar can happen with the feminine. Um, when she is the distorted feminine, she will both try to mother um, the masculine, partly because she sees him as weaker. Instead of really taking time to look at her behaviors and why she's doing what she's doing or the masculine as well. Um, reaction formation is somewhat similar to the process of projection. Um, I find that when using both of these defense mechanisms, you're really trying to avoid unwanted thoughts and feelings and, and really kind of compensate for them. Um, you can often do this by uh, either displacing the thoughts and feelings onto, you know, your thoughts and feelings onto others, um, or going in completely the opposite direction of what you actually think and feel. Um, the fourth kind of major uh, defense mechanism is sublimination. And this is one of the rare defense mechanisms that's really considered to be overwhelmingly positive. So you may rely on sublimination to redirect intense emotions into an activity or an object that is more appropriately and socially acceptable. So like instead of lashing out at your partner, you may take up um, a creative hobby or start working out. Um, This can often be really problematic though. Like if the initial challenges that get pushed aside are there, you know, are, are continually unresolved, right? So there's, there's an anger underneath that can pop up over a period of time if the issues aren't really um, addressed, right? So it's the okay, I'm going to avoid um, either that hurtful thing my partner said, or I'm going to avoid getting angry. So instead, I'm going to go work out or I'm going to go spend time alone or I'm going to do this stuff, but it's still unresolved. And so then what happens is that um, you'll often become very resentful over time. Um, and so what, what, what happens in that respect is that it really distances you from those unpleasant emotions in the moment. Um, but, and, and you can see it is very positive. Oh, okay. I didn't engage with that person. I didn't become angry. I didn't tell them what I actually thought. But what you're still doing is you're still repressing. None of that has been dealt with. The situation hasn't been handled. Um, And so you don't have a deeper awareness of yourself. And instead of being true to some of your thoughts and beliefs, you're instead just simply, you know, really repressing them. And then the last um, defense mechanism is also repression. So anytime that you have irrational beliefs, painful memories, and unacceptable thoughts, you can feel really upset by those kinds of things. I know that I certainly do. And so out of fear, you may choose to not face them and instead unconsciously repress them and hide them from yourself and others. What's interesting though is that These thoughts and feelings don't actually go away when you do that. They remain just under the surface and they really impact your behaviors 
um, and your relationships. So I would often do this, um, partly uh, with a mother with borderline personality disorder. I never f- like had a true sense of confidence in myself and uh, a sense of like self-esteem. Um, that's something that I really had to work on. I was always anxious. I always was worried about what others thought about me. And this in turn, uh, because my, I think because my mother was so expressive in the way that she either lashed out about her kind of emotions. And when she would do so, either she would lash out with, with rage and anger, or she would um, sob and cry and break down, right? But both of those, she would just dump on me and expect me to filter them through, to kind of clean them, to to absorb them, right? And what this did a lot of the time was it really um, repressed. I, I would really repress a lot of my feelings. So then a lot of times I would go into relationships and be very passive, um, very agreeable, and not showing the other person my true self, um, but also not being in connection with my dark feminine. Um, that kind of cleansing, passionate um, side of myself, the the shadow side of myself, everything was just kind of below the surface. And so this really caused a lot of eventually bitter and resentment because I kept it all bottled up, but then I would kind of erupt every once in a while, kind of like a volcano. And instead, what I had to learn how to do was really take some time and sort through those feelings. Um, Also, part of it was understanding what my mother was going through, um, how her mother treated her really impacted how my mother reacts to things, but also realizing that the way that she reacts to things and the way that she um, will dump all that on me was also not okay. And so I had to take responsibility for what was mine. Um, I also had to learn how to stand up for myself to some degree uh, with her, but certainly stand up for myself in general uh, create boundaries, say no, um, work on healing kind of that inner child, um, and also really understanding my attachment wounds. And that really helped me work through that defense mechanism. And instead of repressing things, like I said before, um, I take time to not repress, not rationalize something well, she didn't mean to do it that way, or, oh, well, what I did wasn't so bad, um, or, okay, I'm going to push it down. Instead, I give myself the opportunity each day, I spend uh, probably five or 10 minutes, kind of reconnecting with those feelings. Sometimes it's first thing in the morning while I'm meditating, but also it could be multiple times throughout the day. Um, really taking a look at whatever those those thoughts and feelings are, and instead of shoving them down, um, really going deeper, feeling those emotions, not trying to hide them anymore. Um, but then also knowing when it's a good time to confront or have a discussion about things. What I realized with my mother was that I repressed partly because I couldn't change her. And I had to realize that it's also not my job to change her, to help her grow, to help her become the kind of person that I think that she needs to be because she'd be a lot healthier if she did so. No. Um, But it's also my job, from my perspective, not to just unleash on her, right? And instead, really work through those emotions. Um, really find a much better outlet for them. And what I can say um, is that by working on and being aware of my own defense mechanisms and then kind of working through them, uh, looking at, you know, being aware when they're happening, uh, looking at them from that detached kind of place and say, oh, 
yeah, wow, I really responded in this way. And I I don't like it when I respond that way. So how am I going to change that? Um, I say, be very curious about yourself. Um, Some of the things that I found that really helped me with my defense mechanisms were also um, working on the other areas and aspects of my life. Like I said, the shadow self, Um, looking at my, you know, healing my inner child, looking at reparenting myself in some, some ways, taking a deeper look into my Enneagram type. Um, my personality type, my Myers-Briggs personality type, looking at my attachment wounds. By healing a lot of these things, I'm also able to heal a lot of other aspects of um, these different um, kind of defense mechanisms because I no longer want to hide from my emotions. I no longer want to disassociate from them. Now that I've learned how to um, really kind of work with my nervous system, manage my nervous system, it's much easier to not be as triggered. But as I said before, another aspect um, that I really worked on was also changing my own environment Um, so that when I was triggered, it was in a relationship that was very healthy to, to be triggered. And for the other person, you know, for me to be able to say, you know what? I just snapped at you. I apologize. Hold on. I don't think that had anything to do with you. I think that that had to do with, you know, these other things that I'm stressed about or um, me trying to protect myself or push down this feeling. Give me just a minute. I'm going to regulate my nervous system. I'm going to try to get back into that ventral place. Um, to that green space. And then let me try again. Let me say this differently. Or let me ask a question. What did you mean by that? Um, Because it felt like you meant this. And then a lot of times the, the other person, particularly in the intimate relationship would say, no, that's not what I meant at all. I was not putting you down. I was not, you know, whatever. And so then you can really take responsibility for those triggers and have this very safe place to work through these kinds of um these kinds of defense mechanisms these the the wounds and the trauma that you uh very much need and want to to heal um one further comment that i would say is that it's very important for the feminine, for the feminine, as well as the masculine, but for, in this case, for the feminine to really choose a partner who's committed to the same level of inner work that she has. So remember that people can only meet you at the depth that they have met themselves. So it's important not to push our defense mechanisms out on somebody else We need to take responsibility for them. But at the same time, it's also important to analyze um, our relationships and also see if this is the kind of person that we actually want to be in the relationship with. Because if we are having these triggers, these defense mechanisms that pop up, and we're going to, even if we're in a healthy relationship, but particularly if we are not in a healthy relationship and we want to work on them. It's also not our job to change the other person. Um, The feminine can only meet the masculine at the depth that he has met himself. And we, as women, we must remind ourselves that we're not responsible for the other person's healing in our relationship. We can't force the masculine to grow. We can't. Uh, you know, and and to open up and meet us where we are. Uh, We are very much each on our own emotional, psychological and spiritual journey. So again, this is why it's so important to choose a partner who's committed to the same kind of level of work, and hopefully the same kind of level of taking a look at their own defense mechanisms, and not becoming more defensive when we really kind of point that out. Because when it's when it's part of our relationship, hey, we're going to point that out to each other. Then I think that it can be um, 
a place of growth, um, a place of awakening, um, and that kind of healing can really can really happen in the conscious relationship. Um, I think that it's really important to know that, you know, a woman who is awakening, who is growing and healing, will really feel a sense of closeness to and safety with the man or the masculine that works on healing his wounds and trauma, including his defense mechanisms. And this is the kind of man that a woman um, can really open up to because he's constantly growing, discovering himself and challenging his old stories. Um, and I think it's really important for women to know that the feminine can really open, can really only open and surrender and feel deeply seen and heard in intimacy by a man who is clear in his direction, who's decisive, who's certain of himself, um, who is, who, you know, who regularly takes time to reflect on his actions and his life choices. Um, because self-reflection really allows the masculine and the feminine uh, to develop a rich inner world where the masculine and the feminine can really meet each other instead of putting up the walls, instead of pushing down the feelings, instead of needing to erect the the defense mechanisms in order to keep each other safe. So uh, if you are interested in your self-healing journey and diving deeper into that um, at Create Love Freedom, we have what we call a members club. And that is a monthly subscription um, where every month I bring forward a new self-healing topic and it is complete with multiple videos as well as a workbook. And this will help you go through that self-healing topic and really uh, work on your own personal growth and your own self-discovery. And um, it is a self-guided journey. So you can go back through previous months and continue to work through those aspects um, of your, you know, psychological and emotional journey. Um, it will certainly help you to grow your relationships, um, really create the life, the love, and the... Um, the freedom that you really desire in your life. That's one of the biggest things that I have found um, by doing my own self-healing work is um, freedom and um, a sense of calm and a sense of deep commitment to myself, um, a sense of deep purpose within my life, and um, also uh, a real connection with others. So if you are interested in that, please go to createlovefreedom.podia.com and you can click on members club. Um, or you can also visit us on Instagram, which is at create love freedom. And you can click on the link in our bio and click on members club there and sign up there as well. Until next time.